So welcome to episode 74 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast and I'm joined once again by the Milwaukee Bucks uh, number one fan and soon to be the number one seed in the NBA. And we still got the number one seed kind of locked up, so it's just an absolutely, completely different NBA experience for me. So um, it's an odd sense of serenity at the moment, Daz. And the chaos, panic, and overreaction theater is about to be unveiled as the, <laughs> but as soon as the playoffs start. So I'm going to enjoy this this kind of 10, 10 days, two weeks of you know, calmness and, you know, uh, analyzing Coach of the Year and MVP awards, Daz, and, yeah, just kind of revel in it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We're going to go through our awards tonight. I mean, there's about four or five games left for most teams in the regular season, but I can't see – I was looking at it today. I think there's going to be some movement below the top of some of these awards, but I don't think there's necessarily going to be changes in who who's going to get the actual awards. And I mean, being in purgatory myself, Daz, I, I, when I did my list, the Spurs had just won a game, so I was really happy about the season. Uh, since then, they've lost two straight, and I'm ready to just throw the season in the bin. So uh, Pop's not even in my top five coach year anymore. He's dead to me. It's just like... <laughs> He fucked something up, did he? Yeah. <laughs> well, he got he yeah. got thrown out of the game against the Kings. Um, Purgatory for just know, for going off at the refs over a out of bounds call of all things. So um, he just wanted, he needed he needed his own rest, did he? <laughs> I think he was yeah. trying to send a message to the team. Mate. Although there there was a really horrible call right before that. I mean the the out of bounds <clears> call was neither here nor there, but there was a, just a, one of the most horrible calls you've ever seen. Just before that, but um, the, the Spurs certainly couldn't couldn't point to officiating why they lost against the Kings. Uh, swept against the Kings this year, three and zero. The Kings went against the Spurs first time since I think the nineteen eighties uh, that that's happened. So um, wow, that sure shows wow. You. And I think look, the Spurs have sort of hit their ceiling with with Derek White. Yeah, he's sort of hit yeah. a bit of a sophomore slump. And when when you've got a second year player as Probably your most important barometer. Not not that he's their best player or anything, but I think he's the barometer of, of how they can go. I think that's right. More, yeah, um, he's their heartbeat in a way, isn't he? Right? He is. At yeah. 100%, yeah. So you know that that sort of has hurt them. But anyway, we'll we'll see with Endo. I just pray they don't get Golden State in the first round of the playoffs again. Um, but I fear that that's what may very well occur um, yeah, well. as the season grinds to a halt. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go through our awards, obviously the big awards first, and then we've, we've sort of made up <laughs> some of our own awards uh, later on. Um, I think there's going to be a, f- a few disagreements here and there, Daz, uh, as we go along. Uh, the first one, though, is MVP. Uh, now, we've both got the same player here uh, in... Um, Giannis and the Kumbo, uh, who we've spoken about quite a bit, really. I mean, I think the season's been defined by him and, and to be fair, James Harden as well. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be as much debate now. I think I think most people that I'm hearing have settled on Giannis. Um, the way I looked at that, I thought the numbers back Giannis up when you sort of pan out and look at the per 36 numbers and, and look at what he's done for the best team in the NBA you know best best are they still the best defense I think they were, well, they were always sort of being one number one or two defensively yeah um, by quite a by quite a leap yeah even yeah. with uh, I'm not sure after this Atlanta and Brooklyn game where they decided to not to play defense but um but they were before these last two yep yep yeah, so I mean, and I, and I look at I mean you look at the per 36 numbers Giannis is averaging 30 points uh, 13 rebounds, six assists, one one and a half steals, one and a half blocks, and uh, James Harden, by contrast, 35 points, six rebounds, seven assists, 
um, two steals, uh, just under a block a game. So I think the the overall numbers back up Giannis. The team success backs up Giannis, but I think you know Harden's obviously had some excuses as to why his team's not been as good. But I think if his team had won more games, his numbers wouldn't be up where they are either because they probably wouldn't have the injuries um, that they had, etc. So I think there's sort of there's a little bit both sides of that. So you've got to tip your hat to what Harden did. I think when when Chris Paul and, and Eric Gordon and Capella go down, you don't expect that team to go on a winning run, and they did. Um, I didn't like it particularly like the way he did it. We've sort of spoke about that a number of times. I think it was a grotesque basketball to watch, but the fact that he did it, it does count. And I think he's clearly been the second best player in the league. You, you wouldn't have anyone in number two, would you? You'd, you'd have Harden clearly number two. I Paul George was catching up, but he's also coming off. And he's he's not consistent as that nuclear phase he had. Yep. But Paul George again, because I think I'm still in the uh, still holding on to hope that we value defense as he's been pretty good defensively, but no, he's fallen off as well. And it's hard to argue for Paul George when that team has gone, what, seven and 13, their last 20 and OKC is just, they're pretty healthy and they've fallen off a cliff. So that, that counts as well. Right. So wins and losses do, do matter. It, it does matter. And um, yeah, look, um, for all of the, of all of the horrors of the way he plays, um, I guess Harden is number two. But it's, well, it's I'll a say this too by, about yeah, defence. Yeah. I, I think it's fair to say he is just now an, an average defender. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call him a bad defender anymore. Um, well, I'm a little bit, I'm a little more precise, right? We talked about it last year. It's not much different this year. He's terrible at the point of attack, makes no effort, doesn't close, doesn't chase down. But he's a very, actually a really good defender, above average defender in the post, which doesn't happen a terrible amount, but he's genuinely, because he's strong, he's got quick hands, and he genuinely can't, well, because he doesn't have to make much effort, just to lean on the guy, but genuinely the data, data also backs it up. He's very good post post defender, but he's terrible at the point of attack, Daz. He's not well, a, he's, but he's also he's got, not, look, he's yeah. part of a good team defense, and he's second in the league in steals. Now, that's, you know, now that's a lot, a lot of that sort of gambling and, and sort of going for balls um, on the weak side and things like that. But it is a defensive metric um, to some extent. So I don't think he's not the liability. Let me just put it that way. He's Look, he's a better defender than us. I, I will go to say, I'll go so far as that he's, if I had to choose and put a, put a gun to my head, I'd take him over Steph Curry playing defense, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Would. Yeah. And I'd take yeah. him over another guy that we're going to talk about a bit later on. Uh, that Trey you may push back on. That's no, <laughs> another guy that calls himself the king and has fallen off a cliff defensively in the last two years. But anyway, we'll talk yeah. about him later. Um, but yeah, so but yes, I, MV, I don't think it's MVP fair to say Giannis, he's, right? he's horrible yeah. in, in, in that area. But I agree. Yeah. Giannis, the MVP uh, on the season. It is. And you look at the advanced metrics, the, the VORP is almost exactly the same. The wind share is exactly the same. The, you know, the PER is ex- almost exactly the same. Giannis is better true shooting. Believe it or not, Giannis's free throw rate is significantly higher than Harden's. So for all the the credit he gets for cheating, Giannis is actually at a higher free throw rate. Um, Giannis's assist rate, believe it or not, is over thirty uh, percent. Harden's at thirty nine percent. So even though kind of the raw numbers would fit, plus forty usage, Giannis is down at thirty two. And so that that I think is the other. That's probably the other factor as well. We're just sheer volume. You know, it's kind of overinflating. I think the worth, and then you just add into the team accomplishments and what Giannis has done: best team, best record. Um, well, should Harden be marked yeah. up or marked down for the fact that Giannis is averaging thirty-two minutes a game, 
and Harden's averaging about 40 minutes a game. Should he be marked up for having to take a bigger load on the team during the regular season, do you think? Yes, I, I think it's a markup. I do. This is part of my argument for your job description, right? I've said before, like I, that's why I was barracking for LeBron. You know, I got his job description was really freaking hard last year. So there is, I do give him credit for that, right? Um, I do. I, it's a harder job, and... Um, it's not beautiful. It is brutally ugly. It's disgusting when he's cheating and flopping and all the rest of it. But, yeah, I mean, with that team, the way it's constructed, if the way the coach is asking you to play, that's what you're performing at. And, it's, and the things he does do when we're not pulling our hair out, when he does shoot 9 for 13 from three-point line, he makes he makes 28-footers look like free throws some days, Daz, right? You go, that is a, that's Curry-like. It's, there's no other way to say it. It's, mm. it's, it's a... It's daggery. It's it's deflating to defenses and almost impossible to defend unless you're Eric Bledsoe. And so you do you do tip your hat. He is singularly, uniquely, freakishly. His footwork is amazing. His pick and roll timing and ability to read defenses is amazing. He's also an insufferable cunt. <laughs> so <laughs> both both things are true, and that's okay. So you weren't and, swayed by the full page edge in the Wisconsin uh, Daily. Well, I, I was I was um, livid about it, as many Bucks fans were, and then I think you and others reminded us that this is actually a ploy he and he and Russ have both done before in, in years past, in actually just literally self-promoting them, themselves. So um, no, it didn't sway me, but yeah, look, I think Paul George had a credible case for number three, but he's kind of fallen off. And again, you sort of go look at the job descriptions of Steph and KD, and they don't—they're not asked to do too much. And I think that's part of their deal on a super team. So it'd be—I think if we saw, let's say, for example, Steph was out for a year, I think it'd be very easy. KD would be in this argument very, very easily if you, you saw his usage, you know, spike up, you know, five or seven percent yeah. or something. I still think that's fair to say. Is again as insufferable as isn't his personality as Kevin Durant is still—he's still in prime. Prime form. Last question, so, quickly yep. about Harden. When you watched you watched that Bucks game last week, do you think it was the scheme that was more effective on Harden, or the fact that it was Eric Bledsoe guarding him, or was it a little bit of both in that game? Because I, I thought the scheme was more important, to be honest, than, than what Bledsoe was doing. I think it's the opposite, actually, because you know, there's you wouldn't. I will dare you to find footage um, of any game that's that's been played against Harden this year where they or a player can go that grotesquely, obscenely, right, Daz? He's almost, sta- he, not almost, there was occasions where he's almost standing behind Harden. On I've never seen anyone else, right? that's why I'm saying it was a scheme thing, into, or a tactical thing, it's, if you like. I but it's so, so, so fast, like and he that. closes so well, and he, and this is a unique Bloodsoe thing, right? So if you put Steph Curry up there on his left shoulder, that's not going to work. Because he's not going to get any pressure from the backside. Blood says, but I think the thing know. is, he thrives off contact. And when when the yeah. Bucks just said, "You are not going to get any contact from us all night," I mean, he shot five three throws all night, and one of those yeah. was just on a, a, a brain fade from George Hill. They basically he didn't know they what to li- do. He was totally out they, of his comfort zone. They literally just said, "Go here, you are. Please walk inside the three point line. Go." Literally, please walk inside. There's no one to bother you. And you can take any shot you want between 8 and 20 feet. And that's what they did. And that's what he, that's what Harden did. And he, so, but I, this is a Bud thing as well. This is a uniquely Eric Bledsoe thing. Bud said himself that in the first time he did it, and he goes, Bud goes, uh, I'd love to take credit for it. But I just said, Eric, you know, 
do your thing. Mm, what do you think okay. works? Yeah. And air, literally, Bledsoe created the scheme. So it, for I those think that it's a didn't see it, it was basically yeah. just standing on Harden's right side. Oh, sorry, left side, left side, left, yeah, and yeah. Uh, just basically defending him from the side. It was it was stark to watch it, and as you said, at times Bledsoe is literally behind him, just basically saying, "If you want to go and attack the rim to the extent you can, have, have yeah. that open fifteen footer." But because you... here's what's going to happen: you're going to be met by Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Good luck with that. Um, so therefore, you can shoot a really, really difficult floater over Giannis and Lopez, which he did sometimes, or by all means, please pass the ball to P.J. Tucker and let him go one for nine, from, please. Mm. That's why the Bucks number one, they're number one in defensive three-point percentage this that's year. Right. They let the they're, guys, they're, they're we want please. P.J. Tucker shooting it, that's right. Yeah, so that's, it's the it's the Budenhoser money ball effect, which is they give up a huge number of threes, but it's also a very low percentage because they take it away from the high-percentage guys which is uh, harder than it sounds to do. So so we digress. Um, that was, uh, no, the Bucks fans weren't impressed with the, the full page yet in the Milwaukee paper, but um, I do get that sense, though, that the, that the barometer has shifted pretty confidently to the, to the Giannis camp here. Has there been so, a more um, universe? I mean, I guess Steph Curry was a, a much-loved player, Um when he, when he won it a few years ago. Yeah. Just feel, yeah. I mean, Giannis is just a universally respected, admired, and loved superstar at the moment um, across the league. I mean, it, it's pretty rare to see a guy um, this well-liked, and, and a guy that's not really out there in the media. I mean, there were sort of comparisons he's between not him, at all. And, him and yeah. Tim Duncan in the media. I, I think he's... He's not quite the same personality in that way as, as what Duncan was, because Duncan just didn't want he wasn't comfortable around fans or the media, to be fair. Whereas Giannis is very comfortable around the fans, but just not not one to look to engage in the media. Just totally, it's it's just yeah. so rare in the sportsman I, today. It's not just because I'm also a massive fan, but I believe there's some parallels in this regard to Steve Nash, who was not a highly you know recruited player. He was a mid to late first round pick, bit of an afterthought, right? Doesn't come from this country. You know, um, basketball was kind of his second sport. And, right, just the, the brand of basketball that Steve played with, with D'Antoni. Like, you know, you probably would find it differently because you were, again, L.A. was your enemy. But I think Nash had that beautiful basketball, the 50, 40, 90 in the seven seconds or less, might be the closest thing. He's also kind of a, you know, surfer dude attitude. So that might be the closest comparison. But, yeah, Giannis still has this boyish um, – He's still boyish, and and I guess it's kind of like what, what what's there not to like? He's not antagonistic. He's you know comes from nothing. He's kind of a rags to riches story. So I'll be it's a fair, it's almost a bit if, of fairy tale days. Yeah, I'll be interested yeah. to see if there's not a bit of tall poppy syndrome <clears throat> now that he's reached the heights that he's reached, and if there are you know we'll see some people that want to sort of try and cut him down. We'll see. Um, a little bit, because that's unfortunately also. And, and I noticed that a little bit with Steph Curry, even before the sort of KD. I had people telling me, oh, I can't stand that Steph Curry. I'm thinking, what is there not to like about Steph Curry? Yeah, the well. like, you know, we, I mean, I think he threw a mouth guard at someone at one point because he got frustrated, but it was like... Well, did you see what they did? God, we're going way off the script here. Did you see what happened in that game against Minnesota? Yeah, when he walked off the court and walked down the... Um, I thought they were, I thought they were he, totally over the top uh, going star. I mean, look, okay. You what I saw was calls. Steph Curry running down the floor 
taunting oh, the referee. Taunting the referee. I thought he should have And calling his that. name out. I couldn't believe well, and they then, didn't give him a And then calling him out by name after the game, Daz. I, mm. I only learned this after the fact, too. So that's the, probably the first really black mark I've put on, on Steph. I've been a, a, actually a, a huge defender, right? Saying so he's the one that keeps that Well, that I team, think he's, he's he's the there. moon has changed a bit since KD's been there as well. It's been a, a poisonous, little bit. Yeah. a bit of a poisonous yeah. atmosphere there. But you're yeah. right, we, we get off track. So let's... So, you got anything to add to MVP? I think it's clearly Giannis, Harden second, Paul George third, um, Daylight fourth. I, I couldn't even think of who would who would be fourth at this point. Probably, I'd probably put Jokic in there as fourth. Kevin Durant, I think actually Durant. Yeah, might Durant, be. you're yeah. probably right. It, yeah. it might be Durant or, or, yeah. or Steph, yeah. but yeah. But it's there's daylight between. It's daylight. I think it's, it's daylight. Giannis, <laughs> a bit of daylight. Harden and a bunch of daylight. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's right. So, Coach of the Year, I think this is pretty clear as well. Again, I think the the movement below this, when I wrote this, I had Popper's number two. He might not even be the top five, as I said now, or he might still sneak into number five. Um, I think it'll depend for me who number two is, the way the seeding sort of um, fall from here or, or shape out from here. But I think Mike Boonholz is number one, Daz. I think he should be Coach of the Year. I'm hearing a little bit of buzz for Doc Rivers. I think that's probably fair. I've heard a little bit of buzz for Pop. I think that'll sort of die off unless the Spurs, you know, win every game, win out from here. Um, and really, I, don't, I think maybe Mike Malone might have a bit of a bit of a case. But what Budenholz has done to take a really a team that was the number eight seed last year, really only added Brook Lopez, um, and now make them the best team in basketball. That uh, it's been an amazing transformation, and we, we've touched on it continuously um, over the course of the season. But what, what, what's been your main takeaway, I guess, from what Buds has brought to, to the to the Bucks? Look, they, the, the fact is that, right, we saw the basketball in the playoffs, which was the, the kid prunty basketball, which was a full-body dry heave set to squeaking basketball shoes. It was, you know, it was very, very painful. And and then in the off season they didn't really add any significant players. And Brooke, I think, was important. He's a minimum salary guy. They had Brooke Lopez, Ursan Ilyasova, and Pat Connaughton was their big free agent signings. And go from a 44-win team to a, a 60-win team by not adding a superstar and not adding you know a number one draft pick like a Ben Simmons or a Joel Embiid to win 15, 16 more games to have your team in the top five in defense and top five in offense is that kind of says it all. So that has to be coaching. Um, and even more subtle things like getting players like Sterling Brown to become much more um, proficient in the rotation, having complete afterthought jokes, literally jokes, right, like DJ Wilson um, become an NBA rotation player. You know, so the player development that he was you know, famous for in Atlanta with it, Atlanta U, he's brought that to Milwaukee. And I think the surprising part to everyone is that he, the Vegas over-under on the Bucks was 47 and a half. And so no one expected him to be able to instill his system this quickly and to have this much success. So it's, it's kind of every factor is it was, it, you can only look to the coaching, right? Giannis and the coaching is what's made this team so successful. So it's, well, it's a I think pretty, it goes to the certainty that players have. And, and you touched on it last year. Players didn't know what, whether they were coming or going with the kid Pronti era. They didn't know how many minutes they were going to play. They didn't know what their role was going to be night to night. They didn't know what they'd be asked to do, um, You know what, what the overall overarching strategy might have been. Whereas now, there's a clear strategy uh, on defence and there's a clear strategy on offence. And you just see a guy 
Like DJ Wilson can come on and say, this is your lane, DJ. Stay in that lane and you're going to be an NBA player and you're going to have a long career. And that, that's, that's a yeah. system basketball that's. And that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. And I said this, so it's all those things. And, and things like Eric Bledsoe, who has had by far his best year of his career, who, as we talked about a few weeks ago, has re-signed for, you know, for four years, three years guaranteed, and speaks like a person who is um, almost like a like an orphan who's finally found a family. He's so humble. He almost gets tears in his eyes when he talks about playing for coach, but it's like he's found a father. I'm not even joking about that. The freedom and the confidence and the, the way that Bud's found a way to reach Bled. Now, Bled's still an imperfect player, but the, the, the sheer number of terrible decisions and out-of-control play and just that the chaotic style, which you could see, comes from a chaotic mind, which comes from the pressure from a, a, a fucking psychopath like Jason Kidd, from what we saw in Bledsoe last year to this just complete serenity, trust, and tough love. When he fucks up, Bud will step in, say, you fucked up, and you sit him down, and I'll have a conversation and, and send it back out there. So just his his Bledsoe whispering this year, Daz, Bledsoe's a, a complex kind of guy, but is absolutely maximized. Um, you know, he's kind of a baby Westbrook. I'll never put him in that same athletic category, but he's that type of player who plays with such freakish athleticism. But finding a way to to, bright, uh, to harness it and to then to have this freedom and power on defense, where rightly he's gotten these terrific accolades for what he's done with Harden in these two games. So that's a that's a nuance that perhaps only Bucks fans will appreciate. But I go that goes into the that just sort of stacking on the list of accomplishments that Bud has done is unlocking the best of this freakishly athletic defensive freak Bledsoe this year, whilst getting a pretty solid offensive season from him. So. Um, so, so, yeah, it's just a, a kind of a no-brainer award, I think, as well. However, there's some awesome, man, we could probably have gone seven or eight deep legit oh, there's some conversations. Great I, mean, right? I, I yeah. didn't have Dave Yeager in my top five, yet he's not your number two pick. So, I mean, that that's sort of shows, right, I think, the right. amount of... Who did you have? So, I had you Poppers, Rivers, on, yeah. on my one, Pop I had Rivers yeah. number two. So, at that stage, though, I, I had him on track for 50 wins in the West, was probably a little bit um, of an over overestimation of what how they were going to finish the season. Um, totally new roster there. No, lose, <laughs> use your point guard on the yep. on the eve yep. of the season. I think he's done a masterful job. The defense hasn't really come around. It's, it's sort of showed signs here and there, and that's probably where they're going to fall down at the end of the day. What Doc Rivers has done has been very good. I, you know, it's been a very deep roster. And, and people sort of say, well, they lost Tobias Harris, but I mean, they did add some guys of their NBA caliber players that can sort of pick up the slack from him. Uh, and Gallinari being healthy has been a really positive for him as well. But there's no question what what he's done with that roster. And you, and you look at some of these rosters and you look at the Spurs roster and the Clippers roster, and there's not too many coaches that would have got them to the place that they are at in the Western Conference which I think is is something to, to be admired. Nate McMillan, we've spoken about him a number of times. He's kept the paces afloat. He was my number four. Um, I've got Malone number five here. I'm, I'm happy to move Malone maybe up to two or three, depending on how Denver finish out the season. Um, they haven't got the easiest schedule remaining. But if they can finish in the... If they can sneak into that one spot, head of Golden State, I think you've got to definitely put him in the number two. Mm-hmm. So, and this was a guy who was on the hot seat, Daz, early mm-hmm. in the season. I mean, if I had said to you... Malone's fired at Christmas time. You wouldn't have been shocked at all, I don't think. So, no. and See, they've had a lot of injuries outside of Jokic as well. Well, that's um, true. 
That's true. We've done that. I just got uh, we, we have we have mostly violent agreement. I think Popovich, Rivers, and McMillan are also in my top five. Yeah, I have Jaeger there. Um, my demerit for Malone, why he didn't get in consideration, is I think I believe that more of the success of the Denver Nuggets has been due to the front office and the roster construction and and this amazing bench where we got to see um, Beasley and uh, Morris. Right when they've they had they've been ravaged with injuries, so yes, Malone has righted the ship, but I think it's probably more a, a case where when you can get an Isaiah Thomas who doesn't even sniff the floor, and you've got a four guard rotation, you could probably start on most teams. So I actually think so. Malone, good job, definitely probably top ten, but I think the the front office deserves probably slightly more. Well, credit it depends how you're looking at that. View. I mean, because do you give? I mean, you, do you give credit to? the team for drafting or to Malone for developing them on those guys and giving them yeah look it's, it's not system. exactly so hair splitting but yeah it's yeah, a bit it's of a 60 40 from yeah, yeah yeah so they just des- they deserve credit they do they because they've been there since uh that's the thing i like about denver is it's been since october right they've been consistent they've been at the top two top one the whole season it wasn't like they had a miami heat sort of turnaround or anything like well, that well and they've had so, like murray's been injured harris a lot of injuries Barnaby, a lot of injuries. Yeah, uh, Mills. Yeah, he go on. The Jokic uh, is the only burn, the only constant. So I, I a lot like of injuries. what he's done. Yeah. I mark Jokic down a little bit because they fell away in the Kings, and they were pretty awful in close games, which can can some to some extent be put back to the coaching. Obviously, it is a young team as well, but I've got no problem with Jaeger um, being right up there in terms of uh, yeah. his coaching either. Yeah. So I know, I know I think some of the coaches lower down, even you know, the Lloyd Pierce, who we've mentioned a couple of times, has done a really good job. Um, Kenny Atkinson. This year as well, Kenny yep. Atkinson in Brooklyn, of course. Even um, yep. Dwayne Casey again, I think, I think he's done a good job in Detroit. Um, so far this season. So, and also, the- just a, my last sort of recognition, just just for the sole fact of not committing suicide, Scotty Brooks should just for for not killing himself. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> for not not being dead, not developing a heroin habit. Kudos to Scotty Brooks. <laughs> we'll get to choo choo later. I reckon. <laughs> well, that's yeah. Look. I think- <laughs> In terms of the hardest jobs in the NBA, um, there's yeah. no doubt where, where he ranks um, right at the... the Sorry. I dragged us right to the gutter there. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry it is. So, look, let's move on to Rookie of the Year. Now, this this was a, a, an award that was done and dusted uh, in December. And then yeah. uh, Trey Young's made a real run at this award, I think, in the in the second half of the year. And there's no question Trey Young's had a better second half than than Luka Doncic has had. Uh, but I think Luka's first half was so much better than, than what Trey Young's was. I think, he, to me, he's still ahead um, in terms of what he's doing. Quick look at the numbers. Uh, Luka's averaging 21 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. And Trey Young is averaging uh, 19 points, uh, 3.5 rebounds, 8 assists. So, you know, not ridiculously ahead in the assist department and behind in the points and rebounds. And I think overall Dallas have been, well, certainly Dallas were a slightly better team or a much better team in the first half of the year. And they've been openly tanking, I think, in the second half yeah. of the season. So it's a bit yep. hard to, to mark Luca. Look, but I think longer term, I mean, people are still sort of saying, well, that's a clear win, that trade for Dallas. I, I certainly wouldn't be ranking that a clear win. I think it's a win-win trade for both ball clubs, to be honest. Um, and, I, and I hope that we don't continually get caught up in the Luca versus Trey sort of argument. I, I think it's a, been a win-win for both ball clubs, but 
um, if you if you're sitting there saying for a hundred percent certain Luka Doncic is going to end up being a better player than Trey Young, I'm not sure if I agree with that at the moment. I think Trey's shown enough in his rookie year to suggest he's going to be a very very good player um, going forward in this league. It feels like it, kind of what the the draft pundit said is that Luka's floor is so high, and that's proven to be true. Like he hit the ground running. Right, he went from uh, he's a 19 year old who played obviously Euro League, and he just hit the ground running, didn't he? In November, where Trey needed time, Trey looked overmatched, Trey looked slow, Trey looked small, Trey looked hesitant, didn't he? His November December was brutal. Well, his shooting was that. I've watched him a bit more closely. His passing was good. Maybe you did. He right from the start of this season, and I said it to you earlier. I said this dude can get wherever he wants on the floor. And, and his game was just 5% off, so he was throwing some alley-oops and things mm-hmm. like that. I yeah. remember watching him in the game. He threw two perfect <clears throat> alley-oops to Miles Plumley. <clears throat> two players in the row, and Miles Plumley just clanged both off the rim. And I don't think we saw Miles Plumley much on the court for the rest of the season. And it was mm-hmm. just like, that's what I respected, and, and I thought, the shot's going to come. I'm, I wasn't worried about the shooting, I thought... Can this guy get to where he needs to get to on on the basketball court? And does he have the vision to make the right passes? And you could see the vision was there, the execution wasn't early, and some of the teammates probably weren't there either. If you look at it, like so, fair. And I just going I just remember he looked small, he looked short. His turnover rate was higher. He just so I didn't well, he see him get threatened. his shot off. Was the the other problem? He was and he couldn't get his shot off. He, yeah, he just looked small and short, but he's. <clears throat> Found his way, especially I says the team has found their way, right? So um, it's, it's kudos to Atlanta for the way they've played. But if you just look at the raw numbers, it's it's interesting because they go look their their field goal percentage is t- pretty terrible. Both of them are forty two percent. They're both way below league average three point shooters in a percentage basis, right? Then really high, pretty high turnover rates. So for rookies though, probably a lot of kudos. But um, yeah, it's still Doncic for me. But um, I think I'm. I, I'd be pretty confident in saying, well, if you'd agree with me, Doncic's four will be higher, right? You think you get more baseline performance from him year after year after year? But would Trey Young's ceiling be higher, Das? You think his ceiling's higher than Luca's? Is he more likely to be an All NBA player over Luca? Mm. Or do you actually think, yeah, that's no, my feeling, but I don't know if I believe it. It's interesting. I just, yeah, I, I think. Luca, just with the height and the strength, I think as as he gets older and bigger, um, I think his his ceiling's probably Leaner. a little bit higher. Yeah. And, and yeah, Leaner, that's right. But I just wonder too. I don't know if he's going to, how much quicker he's going to get. And the and the knock I'd have on well, his game at the moment is he's not quick. And I don't think that's something that he's going to necessarily get. He can't and jump. The other the final point I'd make on Luca is he's already had a year of professional basketball before he's come over here, so he's a little. A little bit like of Ben four Simmons. Four years, yeah. Well, four years, that's right. So he's played yeah. a number of years. But I, I think it's fair or 17, to say yeah. Yeah. he had one year where he's really full on into it. Yeah. I mean, those other years yeah. where he's yeah. sitting yeah. on the bench. But yeah. that, that's a that's a competitive advantage over the likes of a Trey Young coming into the NBA. So I sure. think that, that will even out a little bit um, over, over the years. So I still think that the ceiling's higher and, and the floor might even be higher for, for Luca, but that doesn't all, all necessarily mean he's going to be a better player um, as, as the years go on because I think there's 
I, I think there's more improvement in Trey's game potentially. So, um, but Luca is yeah. ahead at the moment. So it, it's going to be close. Look, they're, they're going to be fast, two fascinating players to watch, and we should. I'll probably won't have a lot of fun watching Luca, but I, I think you'll. Yeah, we'll both. I like what. Yeah, I, I kind of like watching him play. I guess as well. I just I as, start, as a I, as I said, the Mavs to me are like the Celtics to you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair certainly enough. from a basketball period, yeah. purist point of view, the, you, you've got yeah. no complaints. And look, third with with rookie of the year, I think Marvin Bagley for me um, was third. But look, I think all the top five really? picks does not not JJJ. No, he was was hurt a lot. He got hurt a lot. And I mean, look, Aiton put up decent numbers at the the Suns, but just hard to take anyone on the Suns seriously. I thought Bagley played well on the team that was chasing the players for most of the year. Um, And and Miles Bridges has has put He's really come on, hasn't he? For Charlotte um, outside of that. And obviously, Shay Gildress Alexander's got some some buzz as well. So there's been. It's actually been a reasonably good. Rookie, rookie class. After you know, we we probably didn't yeah. not as good as the year before, but that was a historically good rookie class um, in in twenty eight. Well, no, it might be though. Yeah. I think so. Next year will be really interesting because, like you know, even even as dull as Aiton has been, you know, sixteen and ten raw numbers. The numbers are thirty good, minutes a game. Yeah, know, I just can't. I can't. Take, I haven't watched I the Suns. <laughs> so no, who would? Why would you bother? It was funny no. listening to. Um, Doesn't know how to play defense. Yeah. Oh, I was reading uh, Alex Len talking about playing with Trey Young, and he said, "You know, he said it was so good to play with a guard that passed the ball after all those years in Phoenix, where all they did Jeez, was like just that with <laughs> Isaiah Keenan and fucking Devin Booker. Yeah, so, Alex Len talking shit. Good on him, man. <laughs> Jesus." <laughs> So that's, that's, how, yeah. that's where the Suns are. So, uh, All it, right. It's been a pretty good rookie year, rookie season again. It has been. Um, it has, yeah. Overall. So the next awards, Daz, is... Uh, let me move down here. I think it was the sixth man of the year. Depoy. Oh, the defensive, defensive player. player. So this one, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where the votes go on this one. Um, I've, got, I've got the sense Rudy Gobert is going to win it, but I've, I've got Giannis... I think you've also. Well, have you got Giannis at the moment, or where are you? Still I learning? I was a cop out here, Daz. I I I just I called myself on bullshit where I said everything I would be talking about is only through you know uh, um, conglomerated opinions of others. Because I just to be honest, I don't. Other than watching Paul George intently for a couple months when I picked him up my fantasy team. I thought, holy shit, there's my defensive player of the year when I started really watching Paul George. But I'm bullshit. I'm completely lying. If I Like, I've watched, you know, 10,000 minutes of Giannis, and I would have watched Gobert five games or six games. So I'm calling myself with having bad data. So I'm just calling bullshit on myself, Daz. Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll I've kind of defer of, to you on this one. Yeah, yeah I've watched yeah. a bit more of Gobert. I mean, he, he just wasn't playing all that well at the start of the year. I mean, when they started mm. poorly... A lot of it was down to him, and, and they were fouling a lot more. And he admitted himself he was struggling, um, and, and they were struggling as a team to get yeah. over this sort of yeah. the new rules that they brought in, have a freedom of movement and things like that. Whereas Giannis just hit the ground running. I mean, he's been an absolute beast. And Giannis changes the play so much more, I think, than any other play because he can get out to the perimeter. And, and Gobert's probably the best big man you can have out in the perimeter. But Giannis yeah. can be on the perimeter, and and you know there, there's that sort of shot where he's there, and he's actually sitting there playing the block and playing the pass at the same time, and yeah. you saw sort of Ben Simmons 
was going to put up a floater and thought, Giannis is going to block this. Last second he passes it and Giannis steals it anyway. And it's just like the the amount yeah. of pressure, that, and, and obviously it helps to have a Bledsoe there that's putting pressure on the, on the ball and heaven forbid if, if Utah Again, had a Bledsoe-level defender. Um, if you, I'm buying, if it's take. a similar MVP as a best best defender on the best defense, that's that's Giannis number one and Rudy number two, right? So I think that's probably pardon me, probably a fair comparison where, again, just, again, I have an overwhelming amount of Giannis data, which is a, well, he's I'm playing the way. Well, I'm Rudy for the slow start, and I think Giannis is yeah, okay. at the same yeah. level the whole time. So I think if you can't split them, and maybe if, if Rudy's sort of last two-thirds of the season maybe is a hair above where Giannis, because don't forget Giannis yeah. is doing so yeah. much more on the offensive end than what Rudy's doing, even though, believe sure. it or not, Rudy Gabez had more dunks than Giannis does. I know that's hard to believe. He's leading the, he, he is, isn't he? He's yeah. leading, yeah. leading the dunks. So, um, Good on him. And look, third, I've got Miles Turner. Um, I think he transferred He's had a great this year. game this year. Probably doesn't play enough minutes to be in serious consideration. Paul George has fallen off a little bit, um, and I think that's due to injury. I'm not sure 100% what's, what's wrong with Paul George or whether there's either. just problems in the dressing room there. Something's off with OKC, and he's sort of fallen off. But I, I'd love to see Giannis win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP does because I think he's having that level of historic sort of level of season that needs to be um, recognised. But I've, I've got a sneaking suspicion it's still going to be Gobert. And I think, you know, the advanced sort of stats back up Gobert in some of the rebounding and, and, and block numbers and guys finishing around the rim and all that sort of stuff. Um, although Giannis is obviously very good in that area as well. So it, that, that's going to be an interesting one, I think, to see uh, where that goes from here. We'll see uh, the sixth man of the year. Now, you've got... We, we, we disagree on this. I think there's a clear six man of the year in Lou Williams, but you've got Montrez Harold as. Yeah, I do. Um, we'll both the teammates. on the Clippers. The teammates on the Clippers. Yeah. Um, we'll, I think we'll both give an honourable mention to Sabonis on, on Indiana's had a great year. Um, but look, Lou, I think it's got to be Lou Williams, Daz. I'm sorry. Mon- I mean, he's carried that offence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of go, yes, I know he comes off the bench, but he plays. He plays starter minutes, right? He plays, well, I guess he only plays 27 minutes. But, look, this is probably just more of a, um, I think it's more more of a, a curveball vote or just to kind of change it up and more just a shout-out vote, to be fair. I mean, Montrez has ridiculous PER numbers, Daz. I'm not sure if you've checked out his event stats, but they're like 23.5 PER. Ridiculous well, efficiency, plus right? Champion. Plus minus chance, but he's a raw 63% you know player from the field and obviously does all of his work in the lane but he's a he's like um he's got the defensive prowess right and, and rugged on the boards but also has an efficiency almost like like Enos Cantor has and so he's just got that terrific efficient um efficient on defense great rebounder um, great offensive player great on the offensive boards so just probably more of a wrinkle and a shout out to him than, than it was more of a, a downgrade. Well, to the it Williams, goes back but, to yeah. days that it was a good haul for the Clippers that Chris Paul trade. Um, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Because yeah. I mean, to get Beverly and Harold, I mean, Decker obviously didn't didn't do much when he was there, but I mean, those two were the were the key parts to that trade. Um, and the and the Beverly's been excellent this year, but Harold's just he, he was one, you know. Well, and again, and, and especially when you're. They have a clean cap sheet, right? Which was that? What's what that trade was all about? Which is uh, 
They'd already gotten rid of Blake, so you want a clean cap sheet. So to get some good young players, that's where we'll talk about this, I think, in a later category, maybe. But it's the man, it's players like Harrell and Beverly that, that put this team in such a good position to to attract a Kawhi or a Jimmy Butler. So anyway, I, I want this sixth man to go to the Clipper. I won't argue too hard for against um, Lou Williams, but I just wanted to barrack for, for Montrez because he's just had such a super efficient kind of season. And just kind of, again, another guy who was drafted pretty late, a second-round pick who kind of had, you know, this, he was kind of a rugged Kenneth Faridi-looking guy, you know, playing in his first year and kind of had some rugged minutes in the second year with Houston. And it's just, he's found his role. So, again, another credit to Doc Rivers and what he's been able to do to develop Harrell and find a role for him and be super efficient. He just he contributes to winning basketball. It's like you could. That's the other thing I like about Harold, unlike Lou Williams, where I could see Harold playing on the Golden State Warriors and the Milwaukee Bucks in the second unit, right? Oh, Whereas Lou Williams, come, yeah, like he's a terrific six guy. Like you, you can have him because he's not a, a sieve the way Cantor is on defense. That's why I like him. Well, he's mostly forget, there. Dan Tony yeah. didn't even play him. Of course he didn't. No. Like the Spurs, he was he would prefer the go. We're going to have a six man rotation tonight than play Montrezl Harrell. So, <laughs> as a second round pick, that, that's you know just value destruction by the by the Rockets. But uh, yeah, so look, Lou is still he twenty points again this year. It's remarkable, twenty points a game. It's just hard to believe what that guy's doing in his thirties. So he's won the he's won the award before hasn't he oh he's he owned the award yeah he multiple he's only awards yeah of, uh, that's what i thought yeah for many years yeah <laughs> so yeah all right Dad, let, let's move on to all nba teams um now we've got we've got a few disagreements here right. so this is going to be interesting so our first teams um so we've got yana steph and james harden in our first team we, we agree there where we disagree is i've got paul george um which interesting you have paul george third in your MVP voting, but you don't have him first team All NBA. You've got Kevin Durant in ahead of him, um, and I've got Jokic ahead of Embiid as the first team center. Um, which and, and I'll give you my sort of take on it first. I just think Jokic's Jokic, your first team center. No kidding. Well, I look, I penalise Jokic a little bit for the poor defense and the fact that he's got to go out of close games when they're, when they're playing sort of offense defense. But at the end of the day. They're playing off for the number one seed in the West. He's been the constant. He's been the only guy that's been healthy on that team the entire year, putting up crazy numbers. The best passing big man I've ever seen. Some of the passes and, and the vision that the man has on the court is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, and I get the Embiid argument. Embiid's putting yeah. up crazy numbers, video game type numbers. Um, but I'm, when it comes down to two players, Daz, and I'm always a little bit who I just go, with, well, who, which team won more games? And then again, look at degree of difficulty. And I think what Jokic has done, degree of difficulty, has been more than what Embiid's done this year. Although I guess there's been a bit of char- turnover and change in that Philly team that would have made things difficult for him. So I'm not. I'm not vehemently against Embiid first team, but I've just got Jokic a tick ahead. Um, and with, with Paul George, same sort of thing. I, I don't think it's a, a massive difference between him and him and KD. Into, well, I mean, we did say sort of daylight fourth before. That was probably a bit unfair to KD in terms of the, the all-NBA stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's, it's hard for me to get excited about Kevin Durant, to be honest. So I was happy. Yeah. And, I, and I think the stretch that Paul George had was at such a high level, um, and, and KD probably hasn't quite hit that level this season. Um, 
although you know we, we, we certainly know he's capable of doing that. So um, I've just elevated Paul George a bit up. But given the way OKC are finishing off the season, um, I could certainly see KD pushing pushing into that first team spot. You know, and I, and I may even. Um, if they don't pull out of this tailspin, I think they're two and nine since the All Star break. OKC. Um, so if they don't pull out of this tailspin, I think even I would probably move KD back um, into that first team as well. Yeah. So I think that, that for me, the I guess I, I just sort of like the just on the first team where you had to be clear. We agreed on Stefan Harden, and we agreed on Giannis. You had Paul George over KD and Jokic over Embiid, right? Yeah. Um, I guess my argument is probably more down the second team where I just think for me it was probably less about um, I, start, I started to kind of go totality of the season and I, I I don't know what compelled me to put Kevin Durant over Paul George other than I go I guess it started to go I kind of cheat and change my criteria for all NBA teams versus NBA and start to be a little more generic about you know, uh, and this kind of the, the Dwayne Wade argument for the, in the All-Star game, which is a little about who are the best players. So I know that's a bit of a cop-out, but again, I actually think KD is probably a better player than Paul George. I know Paul George has been mm-hmm. a great, had a great season, but I sort of, it's a, oh, it's a fine difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, but that's not, a, so I, but you had him on number two, didn't you, KD, which is not a, that's right, that's KD and Embiid yep. both too. I think we had the, the top 10 yep. were pretty I'm much impressed the you same. Had, you also had Gobert, which is interesting. So you and I both um, shunned Cat, um, Carl Anthony Towns, and we shunned, you also shunned um, Anthony Davis, which is the only right thing to do. <laughs> like, the <laughs> well, there's only, another player the I shunned, as, which I'm sure we're going to get to. And you shunned Russ, <laughs> Russ Bookersrell, didn't you? I right. shunned Russ, yes. And you shunned LeBron. So I go, I totally get you shunning LeBron, right? But I'm going to have to call bullshit. So, right, you'll see my logic, right? So let me just clear my, I'll, for the decks here, for the for the full story. My second team is Jokic, Paul George, Blake Griffin, um, Dame, and Kyrie. You also had Dame and Kyrie. Boy, we, we agreed to all the guards, didn't we? We sort of like played... Um, um, well, I don't forwards, think who but... else can you put in there? I mean, unless you want to squint your eyes and twist your head and put the Mar DeRozan in there, but I, I don't, or I don't see Clay or DeRozan. And, well, yeah, Clay's had an off season for him. I mean, and, and DeMar's has, yeah. been a bit too hit and miss yeah. um, at the Spurs across. But the, the interesting season. conversation, I think, what I want to talk <laughs> about is that. So I had Paul George and Blake as my forwards on the second unit. Right, you had KD and Kawhi, which is curious because I'd like to hear you argue why you would have Kawhi but not LeBron James. Because Toronto is the number two seed in the East, and they're they're on track to win high fifty games. Uh, and Kawhi, last time I checked, didn't torpedo his whole franchise around the oh, All-Star break. Right, but he's played fifty-five. He doesn't play. He's going to miss 25 or 30 games. So oh, I, got that I think for me there's was... a difference between load management and missing strategic games and back-to-backs and things like that and and missing... And I'm not, not saying yeah, LeBron yeah, no. was poor for missing 19 games, but he missed the 19 games. He's now been shut down for the end of the season. He missed games here and there after the All-Star break. The off-court stuff, to me, matters. Um, and the fact that he's mm. torpedoed the entire franchise... Mm. Um, I think that matters. And the fact that he just does not play a lick of defense. He doesn't even pretend to play defense. He doesn't even 
say, I'm going to mark a guy anymore. He just stands there under the basket and points his finger and shakes his head and shrugs his shoulders and then goes back down the other end of the court and pouts. So he is literally... Is that what superstars... He is literally one of the worst defenders in the league, Daz. He stopped trying. frustrates me uh, I'm, no end I'm going to admit, I admit he stopped trying. I've seen it. Well, in he Miami in the first year of yeah. Cleveland, he was one of the best defenders in, in the league. Now, oh, for now sure. there's always been people that have said, oh, he gambles a little bit and things like that. Look, I saw the guy when he was in Miami. He was a lockdown defender. He was just outstanding, and he was brilliant the first year in Cleveland. And I think that just took so much out of him that first year in Cleveland. I think the second year he just said one of the reasons he wanted to get rid of Blood, I think, was just, I don't want to play defense anymore. If I keep playing defense at that level, my career is going to be over in two or three years. And he, he yeah. may very well have been right, but there's no excuse for the level of... Look, I mean, I'm going to... Tom Brady nowadays. He just doesn't have to play that end of the floor. Well, see, I mean, so what I see of LeBron is he plays, he still plays, he could play all NBA-level defense when he's defending the ball handler. He just plays no team defense, Daz, right? So, again, he's going to get really good. He still well, has When decent, does he defend the ball handler? Um, I mean, he went on to, to Harden when Harden was lighting him up one game and Harden just... Totally embarrassed him. Over his 55 games, right? So for sure, there's going to be episodes that we can easily point out his quit and lose interest or rather kind of talk to a ref with his back turned to the action. We've we've seen that shit. But, um, well, then that's the difference. So So back to the Kawhi thing, that's the difference. I mean, Kawhi plays defense. See, he's still a lockdown. Yeah, look, and I guess that was my my logic for for the all NBA third team having Gobert, LeBron, and Kawhi is that LeBron and Kawhi. Don't play. They've, they're going to miss 25 games each. And LeBron has, again, better raw offensive numbers than Kawhi, right, with a 28-8-8. and And he's probably still a way better playmaker than Kawhi on the offensive oh, end. So, right. So, but I go, then, of course, absolutely Kawhi's defense still. He's not Kawhi of all, but there's no question. He's a way better defender than LeBron is right now. So, look, uh, so for me, LeBron being on the third team was still an insult to LeBron considering – I guess his reputation. So um, I, I don't. I guess Lamarcus Le, is. I think that's the only addition. It's the only different player, isn't it? It's Lamarcus over LeBron. Yeah, which is he's had a good season for a fucking thirty-three year old. Yeah, Lamarcus has played pretty well. So that's not a that's not the craziest homer pick of of all of all time. Well, I think that's right. Um, I mean, I think yeah. um, maybe the Spurs need to win a few more games for that for that to catch on. But. I'm I mean, I'm, I'm reading people saying, you know, that the, about the All NBA teams and saying, well, LeBron's just a lock, and I'm thinking, how in God's He's name not, is he a lock no way. to make mm-hmm. the All NBA this year? I just don't see again. The greatest availability is availability, right? The greatest ability is availability. Well, that's it. And they're going to win saying. 35 games, and he's only played 55. To me, yep. Anthony Towns yep. can't be there because I'm I'm sick and tired of Wiggins, Wiggins always no. gets the blame, and and rightfully so. Anthony Towns gets no blame, and it's like oh, I watch those That's, games, Dave. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, this guy does not contribute to winning. You know, no. you talk about Har- Montrez Harrell contributing to winning. Now, I'm not suggesting Harrell's better than, than than Towns, and then you know the Clippers wouldn't do that trade or any you know thing like that. But you know, guys just don't have that attitude. You know that you you see, and they're not the leaders. And I just I, I doubt that Carl Anthony Towns is ever going to be on a winning team. Carl Anthony Towns is tall Devin Booker or 
young Boogie Cousins. He is Jeez. destined to be on a horrible team. He's going to play Fortnite 10 hours a night. He's going to hang out and have his posse and be cool and be the king of Minnesota, and no one's going to care or remember him. He shows no motivation, no drive, doesn't lift his team, doesn't make others better. He's a spectacularly talented offensive player, but he does not lift others around him. He is not a leader. He is not inspirational. Cat, I'm so pleased you didn't have him on there. He's not. He's not deserving. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. And obviously, Anthony Davis is. I mean, I, I put actually, believe it or not, I put Davis beneath LeBron in. Um, you know. Oh, I agree. In, you can't have anything, obviously. He's, there's no... In his destruction to franchise than LeBron. At least get, you fault LeBron for sure, but LeBron just tried to win. He's tried to get the best players. It, it failed, but he just tried to win. Anthony Davis torpedoed his own team, right, and then held them hostage, and now he's trying to play. And It's just it's beyond unprofessional. He's taken Kawhi. Actually, I believe it to a lower. At least Kawhi stayed to his principles and stayed away. I give. I can't believe I'm giving him credit. But compared to Anthony Davis, who just wanted everything, wanted to complain, and wanted to leave, and I'm going to send an Instagram farewell, and then oh, I didn't work, and Clutch didn't do it, and I want to play anyway. You, you look. I've. Have you had a player? I guess maybe since Kawhi dropped so many levels in respect than Anthony Davis in one season. I go, what a scumbag. Well, I think the difference is we thought we knew Davis and, and sort of his persona, whereas yeah. we, no yeah. one really knew Kawhi. No one still knows Kawhi. So it's a bit like that. At least that Kawhi's still on brand. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Whereas, whereas yeah. Davis, that, that was just a complete heel turn. And it's like, oh, my God, like, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on here? So, no, and I think Russ Westbrook's the same. I mean, he's been... He's been yeah. terrible. That's that's starting to become a, a a contract where OKC might just raise their eyebrows oh and go, "Oh boy, he could howdy. be yeah, Chris <laughs> Chris Paul North, yeah." <laughs> you know, so um, that's a bit of a worrisome contract as as that goes on. So, but look, so that that's the main difference. I mean, look, and and I'm not going to shed too many tears when no, we're pretty, pretty close out. on it. I think we're yeah, pretty, we're pretty we're close. pretty close there. Let's go to some of our awards now that we've put together. We've got um, the NBA All Fun All Star team. So this is the yes. biggest starting line of players you like to watch. So I'll go through your team first. You've got Montres Harrell as the, as the captain. We've spoken about him. You've got the Aaron Fox and Donovan Mitchell, who are both on my team as well. And you've got both Bogdanoviches. So you've got Bogdan yes, and Bogdan. Uh, I do. Bogdanovich. So what, what do you like about some of these players? I mean, I'm going to tell you what I like. I love Montrez. I love his energy. I love his no his sort of retro 1980s game, and it works. I love the way he works with Doc Rivers. I just love how he plays. I wish he was on my team. He's fun. He's, he's got the hair. He's got the body. He's got the limbs. He's got, you know, he's good celebrations. He's just, he's Mr. Muscle, and he's just that yeoman's work effort kind of all you know, just all muscle sort of guy. He's just hard not to follow. Then, of course, Darren Fox, that's your starting point guard as well, right? You've also got Donovan Mitchell. So, Darren Fox, fuck. I mean, if I wasn't a Bucks fan, I'd jump on the Kings bandwagon. That is a fun team to follow. And he's just fun. He's cocky. He's a bit, he's fast. He's also, but he's cocky, but he's also good at setting up his teammates. 
he's just become a fucking awesome young professional. And for me, in a, in a level that's above players like fucking Devin Booker and Ben Simmons, who just haven't, and Anthony Wiggins, um, Andrew, I always call him Anthony Wiggins, uh, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, just these young guys who've had so much hype and just don't lift their teammates, right? So and we'll talk about Simmons perhaps a bit later, but I guess I just love Fox's verve and his zhuzh and his magic. And then Mitchell, of course, you've got Mitchell. It's just who doesn't love watching that freak athlete run around the court and do shit? And then I'm probably most excited about my dueling Bogdanovich's Daz, right? So for me, one of the greatest moments of the season was um, uh, Bogdan on the Sacramento Kings, right? Who, um, after a long hiatus, came off the bench and drilled that terrific, dramatic, you know, last-second game winner, which uh, which concluded a haymaker of a game. Um, against the Lakers when they were still fighting. And so I think Bogdanovich has won me over. He's kind of got chutzpah. He takes tough shots. He's a bit gritty. You know, he's kind of part, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, part Steve Nash, part Marcus Smart, just kind of part Serenus Marshallonis. He's just Mr. Tough Guy. And then Boyan, the Bogdanovich in Indiana, has been the single greatest factor for how that Pacer team has endured without Victor. And his efficiency is up really good scoring he's just a he's just sort of like one of those guys where it's almost like watching a surgeon do his job he's just he's going to hit every jumper he's going to be in his right spots he's going to make the simple pass and that for me is a fun team so he's my he's kind of my spurs guy on my super fun team he's the guy who always makes the right play so this was by far my funnest category that's my dream team harold fox mitchell and the bogdanoviches man Yes, and the Sacramento Kings got two of my top five fun well, players of the year. Bogdan must have thought he had the game winner of the year wrapped up, but then uh, Jeremy Lamb came in and hit the most <laughs> yeah, ridiculous true. shot true. I've ever seen. One, uh, uh, is the one of the, the greatest. Yeah. Against the, That'll be played for 100 years, Daz. Yeah. Nick Nurse's face when he hit that shot was just priceless. Uh, I know. He's like, I know it's not going to be after the clock, but I'm going to stand here and pretend like it's going to be reviewed. Yeah, Nick Nurse is like, oh, my coaching record's getting diminished because of that shot. <laughs> so here's Fuck my, uh, my all-fun team, yeah. guys, was Dwight Howard, uh, John Wall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stop, Ariza. It was just the Wizards. Mind me. <laughs> Shit. Just give me oh. the Wizards. <laughs> give me the Wizards bench. Oh <laughs> I, I don't think I've watched two minutes of Wizards. How bench. could you? <laughs> Has a little okay, quick sidebar because I, I love that I've got two Kings and you've got two Hawks on your favorite team. I go that's that's how great this NBA season has been. But. Has there ever, like literally, Daz, we're going to, episode 75, to lock this in the, the permanent vault of, of, of recorded oral history, has there ever, ever been a more easily predictable outcome of any sporting team in any league in any season than the 2018-19 Washington Wizards? I mean, it is exactly what we thought in June oh. and July and August and September and October. That, for me, is the most fascinating thing about that train wreck, is it's the singular most greatest predictable outcome in the history of sporting outcomes, including the Golden State Warriors championship last year. That, for me, is what makes it so beautiful. It just went right to script. <laughs> I'm going to uh, open my third beer for that one. On the uh, <laughs> Dwight Howard hurting his 
hurting his, <laughs> his backside. <butt>. Was <laughs> he hasn't played, has he? <laughs> I think he played two games or something. He's got a player option. Oh He's got God. a player option. And then Ernie Grunfeld let. He's like, you know what? Let's let Dwight choose what he wants to do next year. I think that's best for all parties. <laughs> hey, Dwight, what about a player option for a second year? For seven million free dollars. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, that's, I love your all-fun team. Right. Right. Anyway, my real all-fun <laughs> team. I've got Darren Fox. I've got Trey Young, who's back, but I've got John Collins. Ah. So I've loved the Trey John John Collins dynamic. Um, I've got Donovan Mitchell for the same reason you have, and I also threw Pascal Siakam in there. He's been a guy. Oh, that, nice um, one! No, I that's absolutely deserving. love watching. Uh, just he he's a guy. I think he's a better version of Montrezl Harrell. To be honest, I mean he just he's everywhere. Um, and and games when he sort of score goes off and scores the thirty two points, like the games when Kawhi sat this year have been the most entertaining games the Raptors have played because it's more like Siakam's than the the focal point of that team. So um, I've loved watching his development. Good call. Even if even if uh, Kawhi leaves, which I, I assume he's going to, um, I still think they're in pretty good shape. The Raptors, but believe it or not, because of the development good call. of Siakam. So yeah. let's get the next. But no, I just I just. I'm going to, I'm a really quick fun thought experiment. I love what you've done. I go, um, I like the, the imagination of the no defense, but De'Aaron Fox and Trey Young in the same backcourt. That's just a fun, that's a fun idea. So yeah, De'Aaron playing off ball, I guess in that one. So yeah, terrific. All right. Love so, it. Best pickup last off season. So, um, this was a guy that, uh, um, I sort of loved it as soon as I heard that the, the Bucks were picking him up. Cause I saw what, I saw how Buds used um, Dwayne Dedman at, at, in Atlanta, and I thought, I think Brook Lopez is going to play that role a lot better than what Dwayne uh, has done. And that's exactly how, how it's panned out. Um, Splash Mountain does. He's been, uh, in terms of value, $3 million. I mean, it shows you the, the train wreck of an off-season that the, the Lakers had, um, that they didn't hang on to him. And, and he's been, what's his gets underreported, he has been. This is not what Brooke Lopez is known for. He made All Star games because of his scintillating post game, right? He's got mm. terrific, terrific back to the basket because he's a giant, right? Terrific touch, great back to the basket, very high, you know, percentage free throw shooter, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful touch. But Daz, he's turned into a fucking brilliant defender. That's what just gets underreported. Where I go, that's that's why. Yes, he's shooting 37% from three. Yes, he's made, literally, he's made more hash mark, i.e. 28-foot three-pointers than Steph Curry this year. Fact. Look it up. He makes more D three-pointers than anyone. And his defense, though, right, Daz? I go, how many seventh can hit three-pointers and protect the rim the way he's played? Protected 2.2 blocks you know, per game, raw numbers, in 28 minutes. Yeah. So he's been scintillating with that the style of defense. So... Um, yeah, just and again, just a credit to a guy who, at three years ago, didn't shoot a single three pointer in his career, and he's going to make how many three pointers has he made? I'm going to look at his raw numbers. He's made he's made 185, you know, in mm. 78 games as a seven foot one freak. So, uh, pretty easy one. Were there any other <laughs> other pickups though that or did anyone well, was that, come don't to mind? Too, the, the Lakers, to be fair, they ended up with Mark Muscala, so. Um... They've got that. They've got that unlocked there. But 
I gave a shout-out to a signing that I hated in the off-season for the Spurs, but it's actually ended up being a really nice one. That's Marco Bellinelli, who's um, really played well off that Spurs bench. Um, and, and that's boom. The Spurs bench has outperformed the starters by the numbers across the season. That is, they wouldn't have been one of the best that's hard to believe in the league. Um, Losing DeJounte, that's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. and I couldn't believe... When they signed Mark, I was like, "Oh my god, why are we getting him back?" But he's been he's so been really I. good, really good. He was terrible in November. We thought that was a tragedy, didn't we? Yeah, well, he didn't start yeah. the season well, but he's he played really well since. And I'll give a shout out to Vince Carter, who you know you're not going to remember Vince Carter's season, but obviously Atlanta's not going to be part of the playoffs or anything. But he's been an important part of bringing along the Kevin Herders and the and the Trey Youngs, and it's just been amazing yeah. to watch the late career transformation of Vince Carter, who you probably would have thought he was going to go the way of Camelo Anthony, didn't you, Daz? I mean, in terms of where his, his um, career was going to end up, but he, he's accepted his roles in Memphis and, and uh, in Dallas and now Atlanta. And um, he's sort of become an elder statesman of the league, which is not something that I would have thought. He wants to keep playing too. He wants to play at 42. He well, you think he can? There's yet. no reason he can't. He's, he's still, he's still actually a decent player. Um, you know, yeah, on he can contribute. Yeah, good on him. So, Absolutely good on him. Tip my hat. Well. He's done well. So, but look, no other signings that I can sort of think of off the top of my head um, that, that have sort of jumped out and said this, nah, this guy's either. made a, a massive difference one way or the other um, in a lot of these teams. You know, there's sort of guys that have poked their head up at different times and, and done one or two nice things. But generally speaking, um, it hasn't been, a, it wasn't a, an off season of big movements that sort of changed. I think some of the coaching movement probably made as much of a, a difference yeah. as anything else. Um, For sure. Last season. So um, quickly on the worst off-season signs, you, I think you're a little bit harsh here to talk, put Dwight Howard as number one, Daz. I mean, he did get injured, so it's not necessarily his fault um, that, that ended, ended in um, disaster there. You had Trevor Ariza too. Uh, you said we knew exactly how this would end. Uh, and then you had Tyreek Evans and Doug McDermott. I, I haven't checked Doug McDermott's numbers. I didn't think McDermott was playing that badly. Three-year, $24 million for that guy. And like, no. Well, I agree. That's probably yeah. the contract more than anything else. But yeah. I agree Tyreek yeah. Evans has been a, just a disaster. I don't. I called it. I didn't like that signing that happened. I didn't like how he's yeah, played. I'm not he's sure kind of... if he's been injured or what the story's been with him, but... Maybe he's just one of them guys you don't want to play. He's been out Bogdanovich, man. He's just been outworked, out hustled. He's he's gone to a club daz, right? So he was the guy who's playing with house money last year, who's got crazy usage and um right, just put up raw numbers. He's gone to a rugged, you know, top four fucking hard working, defensive minded, veteran laden, you know, with Thaddeus Young sort of player sort of team, like this this rugged sort of team and he's just sort of not fit. He just doesn't fit. Like he needed to be playing in in Sacramento or Houston or just some place where you just run and shoot and be an athlete. That's why I just I just didn't get. I just didn't understand it. So I well, hated that you, signing. Yeah, I'll tell you a guy yeah. that actually was playing well before he got traded from Sacramento it was Iman Chumpet, who sort of resurrected his career in Sacramento. Um, and just talking about the Kings made me think about that. Mm, so mm, he was another mm. under the radar guy that actually. 
He was. Played a lot better than I thought he would. Look, I thought uh, Ariza to me was the worst signing. I mean, just yeah. I mean, I know yep. it was only one year, but just it was just a disaster. I mean, he was just completely disinterested, totally unprofessional. I thought, um, pretty much right from the word go. There, it's a miracle they got a player like Kelly Oubre and trade for him. It is a Ubre's miracle. Oubre's actually and Oubre's played some pretty decent basketball there. So um, another great move from Ernie Grunfeld there to uh, to get rid of him. Then I've got uh, Tyreek. <laughs> chasing, chasing a 10 seed. <laughs> I've got Tyreek as number two. And, uh, oh, good. A okay. little bit controversy. I've got LeBron James as number three. Des. Hey. <laughs> Just because I love to trial LeBron. But look, there is a. I mean, do you think there's a point in two or three years' time when the Lakers look back on this and go, we would have been better off not even bothering with LeBron? No. Mm-mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an apologist here and I go. This is all about magic. Again, this is the three factions we've talked about before. Right? The three factions aren't working together. Genie and right, Genie and Walt, Walton, um, right, Palinka and Magic, and uh, Clutch Sports. The three factions not on the same page, Daz. So no, you don't regret signing LeBron James whatsoever. No. This is uh, poor roster construction, poor conception of the value of their young players, poor execution of right both the preseason and in-season moves and poor planning for setting this team up for even free agency so for me um yes lebron's been terrible yes lebron still is clutch and runs that kind of conversation but again he magic johnson's magic johnson magic johnson makes the decisions up there right so like i for me this disaster this train wreck will be first on magic's head and I know Lakers fans will want to blame LeBron for it, especially Kobe stands. But um, that's where I go. Um, they won't regret signing LeBron. Well, LeBron might regret signing to go play in basketball purgatory um, with the Lakers, but they won't regret signing him. Well, I guess it comes down to what's the counterfactual. I mean, would they have been better off bringing back the young core, not really signing anyone else, having another crap season. But where's your future? Like, getting a high, get? another high draft pick, another yeah, a couple well, of high five, draft picks in years Five to come. picks higher than they're going to get now. Um, right? Yeah, well, they're going to get the number 10 pick. Yeah, but they would have would have been probably a top five pick if LeBron's not there. But how much is that changing? I don't know. Look, I just yeah. worry about the future of this. Well, I don't worry about the yeah. future of the franchise because I hope that they... They, no, uh, I know what you mean. They though. go badly, yeah. but I just I think they've <laughs> sort of painted themselves into a corner now. They have. Where you've got LeBron, you've got these players that are totally disenfranchised now. The even the young core, and it's like you, you're not trading for Anthony Davis. There's no, I can't see a scenario where they're putting a package here with him. I don't think they're going to be bringing free agents in. Certainly, not big name free agents. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see another off-season, the likes of just one that we just saw, where we're sitting there scratching their heads going, this is all the Lakers are doing? Like, they're bringing in these one-year guys and nothing else? So, uh... so I, I can't blame LeBron for the fact that the paths to um, excellence for the Los Angeles Lakers is only one path, which is um, expensive free agents vis-a-vis franchises like Boston Celtics, who still have free agency, and internal development, and draft assets, and future assets, right? And I go, internal development for the Lakers, what, Lonzo and Brandon Ingram? I There might be a D'Angelo Russell-like ascendancy from one of these guys in a different context, but these are number two picks who have not played like number two picks, 
right? They played like, you know, uh, healthier Jabari Parkers, basically. So they're not going to get internal development, and therefore they don't have tons of extra future picks. And because of those sorts of things in, the, in this, the three factions of the, of the franchise, it's going to be very, very difficult to attract um, top-end free agents. So they've, that's why I'm saying they won't regret signing LeBron, but LeBron may very well regret and maybe already does regret signing to be in a place that has, doesn't have the basketball infrastructure of a Philadelphia, San Antonio, Houston, fill-in-the-blank. The, mm. the other teams we theorize where he could possibly go sign – and now he's locked in. Well, you know, what if they trade him? I, honest to God, I wonder if well, they... Well, he's got a no-trade they... call, so he can't. He, he would have to request the trade. Of course, of course, of um, course. But, um, oh, no, I can't say that. But, uh, but it's non-zero, though. It's 1%, well, but yeah. yeah. But anyway, well, worst, it was a, it has been a train wreck, for sure. We can continue yeah. to talk about LeBron if you want, because he's my most disappointing player of the year. Um, really? We've not right. well. I just think, look, from the time the Lakers signed LeBron to where we are now, it's just been a disaster, an unmitigated right. disaster. Now, right. how much of that right. you think that LeBron's feet is questionable? And if he doesn't get injured, yeah. I don't think we're having this conversation either in yeah. terms of that that time he missed. But I think it's been massively disappointing. I mean, to sit there, if if day after LeBron signed for the Lakers. I had have said to you, they're going to win 34 games next season. Like, you would have just said, no, it can't be. Impossible. Unless, unless he gets injured for the entire season, you know. And I'll say, well, you know, he, he misses 18 games, but even then you would have been scratching your head going, what, 34 games? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a massive disappointment. Um, the AD, I'm, I'm disappointed in AD as well, but I think th- that was probably, you could see that coming. I mean, if I had said to you, New Orleans are going to, it's going to fall apart and he's going to request the trade and it's all going to go pear shaped. I don't think that would be a massive, um, a massive uh, surprise. Um, we both had Jimmy Butler. Yeah, maybe there. not. Yeah. Um, we both had Jason Tatum there. I think he regressed badly. We both had Gordon Haywood there. Terrible. Um, Haywood's just been abysmal. Um, I'm not sure what. At, at what Unplayable. Point. Brad Stevens yeah. makes a call on, on, on Gordon Haywood or not. I think yeah. he needs to. Um, you've got Wiggins there. I, I had I had LeBron ahead of Wiggins. Look, I'm I'm past the point where I'm disappointed in Wiggins. I expect him to be uh, as he is. I just think he is who he is now. And I think Minnesota are going to be winning in the 30s for the foreseeable future. <laughs> for $35 million a year. What a I tragedy. I mean, yeah. I think the biggest surprise player on there is Tatum, though, Daz. I mean... Because we had him pegged. I can't as, believe it. I can't uh, believe it. I watched every minute of that Bucks Celtics series in the playoffs, and he go without, and, and he just sort of go, "That guy is a future leader." He looked like a twenty-five, five and five sort of player, which is supreme offensive talent and pull-up ability, and off the bounce and off the catch, and just really almost Hawaii-like precision with his movement, and to be relegated and lose his confidence and drop his usage it's, and drop his efficiency. It's just been, again, so sort of maybe it's not on, on, on Tatum. Maybe it's more on Brad Stevens and that team. But, yeah, that for me is probably could have been, he could have been my most disappointing for sure, just in terms of what we expected, right? Mm. AD is disappointing because he's a, turned out to be a pretty crap human being. Um, Jimmy Butler, for again, crap sort of just a petulant jerk. Wiggins has sucked for, for years. 
Hayward has the horrible injury and just is not the same person. It's not his fault that that Stevens keeps asking him to play 28 minutes a game when he should be not playing at all. So that's why I kind of go Tatum is perhaps the the like for like you know greatest disappointment in that way. We're thinking this guy is the what 12 time Tatum. Wasn't that the thing that the, all the Boston fans said? Twelve time Tatum, and all the shit talking they were doing against you know to the to the seventy sixers. Well, twelve time nothing. <laughs> um, he's been he's been terrible. He's been he's just been blah. He's been fucking well. The hurts glor- in, glorified in the, Tony Snell. Yeah, right? yeah, and we've talked about it a number of times in the AD conversation. It hurts their ability to try and get uh, Anthony Davis in the offseason as well. It does. He, he's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, Jalen Brown might have even overtaken him as a prospect. Um, well, he's <laughs> he was on he was on my list as well, though it could have been, yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's more excuses, I guess, for for Brown than there is Tatum, uh, at least in my opinion. Brown's in his own head, but yeah, that's what's yeah. going on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll do this one quickly. Most pleasantly surprising player. I, I just want to do, do one. Pl- do one. Do one. Player. I really only yeah. wanted to do well, Nurkic just to touch on the fact that he had a really good year. I'll probably we didn't expect it, and just a horrible injury um, that he copped last last week. So terrible for the Blazers. That's the end of their season. Terrible yeah, for Dame Lillard because yeah. that's probably not only this season, but next season that's a write-off for him. Um, and just you know, there's, he's he is an absolute superstar player. I mean, we both had him right there sniffing first team All NBA, and he just doesn't have the players around him. And he finally gets you know they got CJ and Nurk to put around him. And um, yeah, you know, you know, he ends up ends up like brutal. that. Brutal. He'll miss the whole year, won't he? Basically, yeah. yeah. I'll stop more. I'll skip the next one because we sort of talked about both of those guys. We have. Yeah. The, the next team have a three-year mini dynasty in the West. You've got the Clippers. Um, I've got Denver. Yeah. I just yeah. Want, I'll give you my quick Denver take. Go for it. You talked about the front office. This is a team that drafts well every single year. They've got a guy called Michael Porter Jr. that I think is going to come in next season. It wouldn't at all surprise me to see him uh, hit the ground running and be around oh, right. as well. And I think this is a team, if you're going to talk about a team that's going to draft in the 20s and continue their fine gems, this is the team I'm backing to do it. Um, they've proven it time and time again. I think of, of the last, however many players they've drafted, they've probably only missed on a couple um, in the last sort of four or five years. So... That's the term that I'm backing. Um, with Jokic is obviously the lead player in that. Um, but if they can continue to build around him, that's the term I'm backing to to have a real nice uh, three-year run. You've got uh, the Clippers, though. Is that is that around, obviously, the Doc Rivers infrastructure, but also what, what they're going to potentially do for our agency? It's kind of all the above. So it's right. It's, it's Doc. It's the free agency. It's the fact that they, they traded their best player to get a great deluge of... You know, two future first plus, you know, a nice role player, perhaps in Landry Shamit. And so they've got the coach, they've got Steve Ballmer competition, they got Steve Ballmer money, they've got Jerry West, who's got a good track record, they've got Shy, who's a nice up and coming player. And I just, it's, they've got Los Angeles in the weather. So for me, they just got all these things kind of all working in their favor to be attractive to a, I don't know, if you get a, if you get a Kawhi, that could you know change their story. And uh, yeah, I just kind of like it. They've got all avenues to franchise improvement, open internal development, future assets, and attractive cap sheet for future free agents. They just got all avenues open to them. And oh, by the way, they're going to win forty six games 
40 games in a really tough Western Conference this year. So it's not like they're having to do it whilst tanking. They're kind of the Celtics of the West in that regard, where they've stayed competitive whilst getting all these assets. So just to, it's kind of almost the, the almost the franchise of the year. Um, if I ignore the Bucks for a second, where they just they've just kind of done everything right. Can you imagine going Daz from? I sort of take a zoom out on this one, which is going from Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin. That was what twelve. When did Blake go? That went February. That was fourteen months ago. Mm. Right, they had all three of these guys. Then Blake goes. Then both the Chris Paul gets traded, etc. And I kind of go. That wasn't that long ago. And sorry, Chris Paul's like two years, hasn't he? Well, Chris Paul's before. Yeah, so. before uh, he did. Like, sorry, yeah. that's right. So, but less than two years, three kind of borderline Hall of Fame players, right? To this, to a rebuild, you start to think, wow, that's going to be a five-year rebuild process. So that's the other thing I just like how they've navigated going from the the big three, you know, um, to this completely different team and style. That's pretty impressive what they've done, and you got to give Doc credit for. Well, handpicking his boss, so he's basically the boss of his boss. But you know, kudos to Balmer and Doc for working out right with the right way to get Lawrence Frank in there. And again, I, you talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, and I call them the three factions in the complete disharmony. You've got complete uh, alignment in the Clippers organization between Balmer, Lawrence Frank, the top uh, office guy, and your head coach. So, complete organizational strategic alignment in the Clippers. Complete. Um, seams and variability in the Lakers organization. So mm. I love the Clippers. Love what they're doing. I'm just Denver to me is maybe like the same way you view the Toronto Raptors. I just there's something that's not I just don't believe it. So sell me on sell me on Denver. Sell me on what's the what's the magic there? Well I think there's the developments I think they've already got the core mm. there, does and I think the development's gonna continue and we've seen, you know, guys that we didn't even Guys like Beasley and, and yeah. Monk and things like that that we weren't even um, talking about, you know, at the start of this year and thinking well, we're going to be considering them as a as rotation pieces. Yeah, and here we are. You know, they're, they're, and and look, they're well ahead of schedule in terms of you look at the the how young this team is. I mean, Murray's still quite a young player as well, and I just I'm pretty high on what Porter's going to be able to do. I, I like the fact that they've taken their time with him. Let's see how he sort of can come in next year um, and whether he can contribute. And if he can contribute the, and look like the player that was he was projected to be before the sort of back injuries came in um, for him, then who's who knows what their ceiling might be. So, yeah, yeah. And, and I'll just... Okay. And, and I think Mike Malone's done a good job and he, he knows, you know, they sort of know who they are already. They've got an identity about the way they play. Um, they're always going to be good at home. So that home record's always going to be probably one of the, if not the yeah, best in the NBA, one of the best. So they're going to be a top, they're going to be a top one or two seed, I think, for the next three or four years. And and that, you know, guarantees them to be relevant and in that conversation, particularly if Golden State take a step back. Um, they're, they're, to me, well-based. And I think with, with the Clippers, you're sort of, you're assuming, you know, yes, they're going to get some free agents and things like that, but the, the step from 46 wins where they are now or even, you know, up to 50 to go to yeah. 60, 
that's sometimes the hardest step to take in the NBA, and I'm not convinced that Kawhi Leonard's the guy you want to be bringing in um, to get you to take that step because you're probably bringing in the guy that's going to play 55 games at most for you each year. Yeah. That's how it looks like at the moment anyway. So, I think that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. So, look, Dad, yeah. we might on one last thing. I know you love to talk about the train rec- rankings. Um, you've got Washington number one. Uh, then you have the Lakers, Minnesota, and the Knicks. Um, I had a top five. I had Lakers as the top four. <laughs> and then I had uh, Washington. As five, I just think, look, the the way the Lakers talk themselves up, it's just so beautiful to see it all fall apart um, and see the hubris of we're going to sign Kawhi, we're going to sign look, Paul George, true. we're going to sign Anthony Davis. Uh, well, good luck with 36-year-old LeBron uh, in two years' time and uh, a bunch of players that don't want to be there. So that's that's what I love. It's more say. about style, right? Like Washington, we said that Washington was the easiest to predict train wreck of all time, and it... it we saw that train going off the tracks, and it crashed exactly like we thought it would. L.A. had all kinds of hope, but the carnage is far greater in L.A. So it's it's a it's, it's a it's a style preference, Daz. So yeah, I can see that. You know, you're a guy who likes drama and things at stake, so I can see how you uh, <laughs> you've chosen chose L.A. in that one. All right, mate. Well, look, we'll leave it there. That was a good one. We'll um, hopefully we'll we'll catch up uh, if not before the playoffs themselves. Right on playoffs eve, and we'll have a. We'll try and have a big two-part. We've got to do a playoff, pe- big playoff tough preview for preview, sure. Preview, sure. Daz. I'm sure looking forward yeah. to Milwaukee v Orlando in that first round. Um, <laughs> yeah. To see the Bucks get Well, out. first round, there's no mystery in the East except for the four or five. But the West, the West is the winner in the first round. And the East in the second round is going to be, for me, that's going to be the far more interesting story. So, um, but yeah, let's get into it. And uh, yep. once we get the playoffs under, the seedings underway. Yeah. Okay, mate. All right. Okay, buddy. Talk to Good you. chatting we'll talk to you, pal. Bye-bye.